Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 115. It's May 29th, 2015. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, today I have an episode that I think you're going to find interesting. I had planned to talk to you about uh, what's going on with oil and the overall importance of oil in the economy. Just in general, that's something I've been working on. But I'm actually going to put that off and we'll probably do that on the next episode. I guess you'd say today's episode is maybe a little bit more on the uh, inspirational side. So we'll see how you like it. But first, let me just start off by welcoming all of our new listeners. I appreciate you stopping by to check out the podcast. For those of you that are new and you may not have heard of my 10 Wealth Building Principles, go back and listen to the first 10 episodes of this podcast. That's where I lay out my philosophy and basically my foundation for building wealth over these last 30 years or so. It's not all about uh, trading strategies and 50-day moving averages, although you'll probably hear me mention that somewhere in there. Uh, but really, the, the overall emphasis of my wealth-building principles are things that are very simple, but they are things that they don't teach you in school. You generally don't read about them in a book. I had to learn about them and put them together over the course of my life. And so I want to share them with you so that you don't have to go through the school of hard knocks that I did. So like I say, if you're new or if you're, if you haven't listened to the 10 wealth building principles, go back, check out those first 10 episodes. And then you'll find that in each of these subsequent episodes that I do the show, I try and take one or more of those principles and then apply them to current events or market conditions or listener questions or whatever happens to be on my mind at the time. And before we get started on our main topic, I'll also just say a brief comment about the stock market. Well, the market will close out May pretty much the same way it's been acting all year. And that's, uh, uh, very up and down, very volatile. It continues to trade in its range, and it also continues to trade near record all-time highs. But at the same time, the S&P closed today down, uh, down again in heavy volume, and also down where it's just above its 50-day moving average. Now, it was only two weeks ago or so that we saw it breaking out above its 50-day moving average. The volatility's there, and well, let me do add this, this comment, too, about volatility. You heard me just mention a couple things there. One, I said volatility, and then I also said trading within a range. So my interpretation of the market right now is that, yes, it is trading in a range. For the better part of this year, it's traded either right at or just above its 50-day moving average, and it's traded very near its all-time highs. So that range that we've seen it trade in has been, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of, let's call it 2050 on the downside and about 2135, 2140 on the upside. And that's really where it's been all year. It's been ping-ponging pretty much for these last five months and, and the last three and a half months for sure, not, you know, dropping much below or, or coming close to that 2050 range. And then, although it has been making incremental highs, it's not really breaking out. It's just coming up to that resistance level around that 2130, and then it gets a little higher and, and eventually drops down, comes back down to around its 50-day moving average, may or may not breach the average for a day or two, and then it tends to hobble back up before it falls apart again. Now, because it is trading in such a tight range, you may hear people say that this market isn't volatile at all, that there's a great deal of stability. And again, it's about perception and it depends on how you look at things. That is a correct interpretation. This market over the last three and a half months or so has been very stable in terms of trading within that range and not breaking down or breaking up. So if you look at it in that aspect, it has been a stable market. But if you look at it on the day-to-day -day basis where one day it's up 1%, the next day it's down 1%, you know, one week it's breaking above its 50-day moving average, the next week it's dropping back down to the 50-day moving average. That's the way I interpret volatility. 
And so from that perspective, it's been too volatile for me as a swing trader. Because remember, what I like to see is, I like to see defined trends where it's either breaking up or breaking down. Because if I can sense the momentum in either one of those directions, then I can generally figure out how to try and make money. Because when the market reacts that way, it generally follows that pattern for several weeks or several months. So I don't have to be an Einstein with perfect timing. I can get in a little late. I can get out a little early. Either way, my odds of making money are pretty good if I can determine where the trend is moving and follow that momentum. In a market like we've been in for these past few months, where it's up one day and down the next day, while there is definitely a, a pattern there that you can discern, the, the pattern is obviously up one day, down the next. The problem with that is there's no momentum. It's just ping-ponging back and forth. It's as likely to go up as it is to go down. And when the market's just moving back 1% or half a percent back and forth every day, your timing has to become very critical. And your potential gains are very small because it's only moving up half a percent or 1% before it falls back down. And so I just don't like to trade in those markets. I'm looking for that definite pattern where I can jump in and the market may be moving 5, 10, 20, 30%. And again, I don't have to have perfect timing. If the market moves up 30% like it did in 2013, well, I, my timing might be off a little bit. I, As I said, I might have got in a little late or I might have got out a little early. And so while I wouldn't have had the opportunity to make a full 30%, I might have made 15, 20, 25%. And the market momentum was definitely up. So the odds of the market falling apart and losing 20% were much more reduced. So those are the kind of markets I'm looking for, and it doesn't have to be that much of an extreme. I mean, 2013 was, an, was a wonderful year. Even last year, where we saw about a 10 or 11% increase, those increases did come in waves, and they were fairly discernible. And if you got in a little late or out a little early, you could have still walked away making 7, 8, 9%. I'm just not seeing that right now over these past few months. And like I say, today was no exception. The market, the S&P 500 was down well over half a percent. It was down in above average volume. It's hovering just above uh, 2100, which is, is right now about where the 50-day moving average is. We're going into these dog days of summer, these doldrums. There's still a lot of things that, that can go on. Next week, OPEC is meeting to determine what they're going to do with oil pricing. We're still waiting for Greece to decide whether or not they're going to make their most recent payments on their debt. There's just lots of drama out there as we await the Federal Reserve to see what they're going to do later in the year. So with this little incremental back and forth stuff, I just don't see enough of an incentive for me to get into the market. I'm waiting for a definitive pattern where I can see the market break up or break down. My humble opinion is that we're going to see it break down at least 10% in the coming weeks or months. Now, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't offer recommendations. I'm not giving you any advice. I'm just telling you off the top of my head what I'm feeling and what I'm sensing. Uh, the information that, that I'm processing leads me to believe that. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. You need to make up your own decisions. But for now, I'm patiently waiting to see exactly what happens before I jump back into the market. Well, that's it for a market update today. Let me get on to our main topic. And before I do it, let me give you a little background on what we're going to talk about today. You know, here in the Wellsteading Podcast, we have a broad audience. Some of you are first-time beginning investors. Some of you are younger adults or even some of you uh, younger teenagers that listen in and, and you're, not in, you're not investing at all. You're just not that in that part of your life. So you're just more interested in learning how to start out as an investor. Others of you that are listening in, you're in your 60s and you're at the end of your career. You've already saved up a substantial amount of money and you may be a, a, an expert investor. I mean, we really have people from 
all spectrums in the audience. And that's why I love hearing from you and, and listening to your stories and getting your feedback because it is a very, very diverse audience. Because it is such a diverse audience, though, I really do put a lot of time and thought into what type of episodes I'm going to put together for you. And I try and make them diverse, covering all aspects of wealth. Some days we'll be talking about specifically trading. These last couple episodes were dedicated to, to using stop losses and protective puts. At other times, we'll have episodes that, that aren't about investing at all. They're about happiness. If you remember back, we had a couple episodes where I talked about sea stories. So some shows are, are more basic for the beginning investor. Other shows are more for the advanced investor. Sometimes it has nothing to do with specifically investing at all. It's about happiness or freedom or different things that are on my mind. You have to remember that wealth is a lifestyle. It's not about just one element. You can't silo yourself. If you really want to have happiness and freedom, then you have to be a whole person and you have to be rich in all aspects of your life. That's your financial capital, your, your social capital, your health. These things are all important and they're all part of that essence of, of the wealth building principles that I talk about. Well, today I had originally planned to talk to you about oil and about how oil drives the economy and how important it is in your overall understanding of economics and of your investing strategy. The price of oil is something I look at multiple times during the day. There's not a day goes by that the market isn't open that I'm not looking at least at five specific indicators. And those are just the top five things that I look at first thing in the morning and the, the last five things I look at at night. I may look at a whole lot of different things in between, but there are five simple indicators that I look at constantly. I've mentioned them before. I'm not going to go into it right now, but oil is one of those key components of those five things that I always look at. There's a lot going on with oil. You know, in the last 12 months, the price of oil collapsed like 60%, but then in the last three months or so, it's gone up 40%. In the U.S., we've taken like over 60% of our rigs offline. Um, so there's just a lot of back and forth with oil, and that's why it's really important and why I've been spending a lot of time putting together this episode for you. But I'll tell you what happened, and this is the great part about being a wealthsteader and being financially independent, you know, having your own firm where you can work for yourself and you make and you can make your own decisions. I've had some things on my mind lately, some personal things going on, as well as dealing with with other people, stories I hear from from people and and just people that I come in contact with in my life. And today in particular, I would just, I don't know, I don't want to say I was feeling down, but I just wasn't my maybe normal optimistic self. And so kind of late morning, early afternoon, um, I, I decided just to take some time off and go out for a walk. I'd taken care of all my, my client things that I had to do up to that point. Um, the market was calm enough that I could leave it. I, as you know, I don't day trade, so I don't have to be sitting there locked into a computer. Most of my positions right now are in cash anyways, so I could walk away from the internet and from my connections to the world and just go take some time off. If you remember a couple episodes ago, I talked about the 112-hour work week. So even though I was walking away from my desk, I still wasn't taking time off work. I was thinking about work, but I was also thinking about a lot of personal things. I just needed to get away. So my dog and I, we went to take a walk. He always loves to take a walk. In fact, when he's around, I can't even say that word unless I'm definitely taking him because he gets too excited. I have to spell it so he doesn't know what I'm talking about. But we went for a walk. We I live right near some foothills, and so it's easy for me to leave my house and take him off his chain and let him go run around while he runs and sniffs. I think and I contemplate. And the more I thought during my walk, the more I was getting this, I don't know, call it inspiration or just some you know thoughts or guidance of what I should do with this podcast and the message I kept getting was, don't talk about oil today. 
And I kept talking myself out of it saying, no, I got a great podcast on oil. Oil is a big thing my listeners need to know about. It's very important. It's in the news right now. It's a definite trend. It's something timely. I've already prepared for it. But I kept having that nagging feeling about don't talk about oil. Don't talk about oil. As I watch my dog running around and sniffing everything and just the, the big happy face he gets when he's out playing outdoors, I could see that he didn't want me to talk about oil either. He thinks it's boring. He'd rather have me talk about happiness or something with, you know, more of a, a deeper meaning. But I left that walk convinced that I was going to come back and talk about oil. And as I got back to my office and I was refreshed and I started working on my computer again and taking care of things I needed to do, um, by the time the market closed and I was, again, watching oil as the last thing I do at, at the end of the day when the market's closing, I mean, I just watched it jump. Oil closed today up something like 4%. Uh, incidentally, I will tell you, I'm shorting oil. I think we're going to see oil drop below $60 a barrel, but that's not at all what happened today. Like I say, it was up above $60. It bounced up about 4%. Um, that's not unusual for what's been going on over these last, I don't know, six, eight weeks with oil. In any given day, it can easily bounce 2 to 3%. In a week, it can bounce 6%. And again, this is the essence of why I want to talk about it. Because if it does break significantly one way or the other, it could be an opportunity to make a lot of money. I wanted to pass that on to you just for informational purposes so you could watch it and think about it and, again, draw your own conclusions. And so I was more convinced than ever that, yes, I need to be talking about oil in this podcast. But then, you know, right after that, right after the market closed, I was talking to a friend of mine, Mike. And after I got off the phone with Mike, you know, there was just no way I could talk about oil. And the funny thing about this is, is that, Mike and I's conversation had absolutely nothing to do with oil or with any of the things that were on my mind. It's just that Mike is such an awesome guy and so typical of the things that I love that when I hung up the phone from him, I knew that I couldn't talk about oil today. I had to talk about something with, with a deeper meaning. And so that's the background of what happened today. Sit back, relax, listen to what I have to tell you. It isn't specifically about money. So today we're going to talk about something a little more esoteric, and it's not really about happiness. You know, a couple, as I said, a couple podcasts ago, we talked about pursuing happiness and are you happy? And we, we talked about the one story about the lady that sailed around the world and talked about some other people I know and some things that they're doing for happiness. Today I want to talk to you maybe on the other side of that coin. And it's not so much sadness, but it's, it's discontent. It's, it's not being happy even though you're not necessarily sad. It's about people that they just feel restless. They can't get comfortable. Um, I've actually entitled this episode Wealthy Paranoia because I know a lot of wealthy people that are paranoid. And again, it isn't necessarily that they're unhappy, but they're just not comfortable. They don't feel good about things. I guess you can kind of call them financial hypochondriacs. And I want to point this out because well, one thing, that, that's not what wealth studying is about. Wealth studying is about a holistic approach. It's about being happy in all areas of your life. Like I talked about just a little earlier as we started out this episode about having social capital, you know, things like friends and family, about having good health. It's not all about the money. One of my favorite sayings is that money may not buy happiness, but it can buy freedom. And that's one of the main reasons I started this podcast, to help people to be able to build their wealth, not so that they could accumulate a, a lot of things or have a lot of junk, but so that they could buy their own freedom. But there are a lot of paranoid people out there, and, and they're not all wealthy people either. Believe me, I meet plenty of poor people that are paranoid too. So let me tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story about a guy that we're going to call Paranoid Paul. Now, Paranoid Paul 
is someone that's wealthy. You know, oftentimes I talk about the millionaire next door, and this is just a middle class guy that by the time, or I always say guy, forgive me, you know, I'm an old man. You have to forgive me. Sometimes I'm not overly conscious of, of gender issues. So when I say guy, I mean guy, gal, you know, person, human being. So the millionaire next door can be a man or a woman. Generally, they're in their 40s or 50s. Uh, they've accumulated a million or more dollars just from living an average middle class lifestyle. They're not Warren Buffett. You know, they didn't create an app that went viral and they made their money overnight. I mean, these are people that worked 20 years to get to where they are. And they're just good, solid, wonderful people in your community. And chances are, if you know them, you would have no idea what their net worth is. Well, Paranoid Paul isn't one of those kind of guys. Now, he's not super rich either. He's not Warren Buffett. But let's just say he's very comfortable. Paranoid Paul is worth at least, let's say, $15 million. So $15 million, that's a pretty good net worth. I'm sure that most of you listening to this podcast could probably enjoy a pretty good lifestyle if you had $15 million in the bank. Well, let me tell you about Paul. He has a great lifestyle. Oh, he lives in a huge house. He's got the boat. He's got the cars. He has the beautiful wife. I mean, he has it all. And he is happy. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's not miserable. And that's why I kind of mentioned when we started this that this isn't a show about happiness. I'm not doing an episode about happiness because Paul isn't unhappy. He's just not content. Let me give you an idea. You see, Paul, he doesn't really need to worry about anything. He's an owner in a corporation that, that's making a lot of money. He sits on the board of directors of, of companies. He's incredibly well respected in his community. His family loves him. All of his money is professionally managed. He, you know, he really doesn't worry about it. He has a very competent, uh, very good team of uh, investment advisors that take care of his money. He has broad diversification, everything from, uh, you know, owning stocks and bonds to being invested directly in small companies. And when I say directly, I mean, you know, outside of the stock market, he is, he's an owner in, uh, a partial owner in, in small diversified companies as well. He's someone that for his age, he's in his mid fifties. He has excellent health. He gets up and you know, he walks something like, I don't know, five miles a day. You know, he works out at the gym. He, he goes to his doctor every, you know, three months and gets a checkup. He's just one of those guys that he's on the ball and he's always taking care of everything. If he gets a little blemish, you know, he's making sure that it's not skin cancer. And, you know, when it comes time to get his colonoscopy or whatever, man, it's, he already has it scheduled. He's just, he's on the ball about all that stuff. He wants to make sure that his money and his wealth are taken care of. He wants to make sure that he's, he's, you know, well diversified and that he's receiving top notch legal information and, and investment advice. He wants to make sure that his doctors are extremely knowledgeable and that he's, he's doing everything that he can for his health and he's, you know, that he's, that he's eating right, that he's taking all the right supplements. I mean, he's just on the ball with everything. He wants to be the best he can possibly be. That's how he got to be worth $15 million. He's that kind of a guy. But you know, he just doesn't even stop there. He, he thinks beyond that. He's, he's so forward looking and, and plans, uh, looks at all kinds of contingencies that, you know, I, I nicknamed him Paranoid Paul and I, I don't want to say that in a derogatory sense. I mean, he's just, I, I guess I could just as well have called him Prepared Paul, but he leans towards the, the paranoid side. And let me tell you what I mean here. So not only does he take excellent care of his health and he gets all this diagnostic medical treatment and, you know, he, he's diversified with his portfolio and he, he does all these things. Well, he's also preparing for, you know, catastrophic events. And I don't say that disparaging. If, if you know me, you know, I definitely uh, lean more towards that prepper lifestyle than your average person. 
Many of my friends and associates are in that crowd of people. Uh, the first podcast episode I ever did my entire life was with Jack Spierko on the Survival Podcast. So, so don't get me wrong here. I'm not at all disparaging someone that's prepared and someone that is concerned about a black swan event type thing occurring. I'm just saying that, you know, this paranoid Paul here, he's definitely thinking along those lines. And it isn't that he just has some food and water stored up, okay? Remember, this guy's got, he's worth $15 million. And so he is definitely stocked up with long-term food and water and ammunition and medical things, uh, probably extra antibiotics and all those kind of things that, you know, if the grid came down, he's got the generators, he's got all that stuff. And he not only has it at his house, if he bugs in, but he also has a compound at a undisclosed location that's also well-supplied and stocked up and loaded. So again, I'm not criticizing that. If I had $15 million, you know, I would have more uh, food and water supply than I currently do. I just wanted to paint this picture to you, right? He's just not your normal wealthy guy. He's a wealthy guy that's very much concerned about things happening that are beyond his control. I mean, this guy is is ready for doomsday. If the zombies come and none of us survive, well, well paranoid Paul, he's going to survive through it all. And just to paint this picture and give you a little more detail, I mean, this is this is the kind of guy that's so prepared that he not only has that bug out location, he even owns the the RV, the motor home that's stocked and ready to go. I mean, he's got the extra fuel on hand. He's got it loaded up with food and water to you know make sure he can get there. And he even has a plan that if he had to bug out really quick, uh, you know, a, a, a private plane or a helicopter could take him there. I mean, this guy, he's got it all figured out. But here's the problem with Paranoid Paul. He can't relax. He can't just settle down. And when I say he can't relax, I mean he really can't relax. You know, he has right now an extra million dollars. And this is, um, I guess what you'd call just disposable income. This is not part of, it, of his investment portfolio or any of that kind of stuff. It's just an extra, you know, million dollars he's got laying around. He's staying up at night thinking, you know, hey, I got the RV. I've got the food. I got the medicine. I've got all these things. What else can I buy with that next million dollars? How can I put that million dollars to use so that if the zombie attack comes, I can be even more prepared? You know, should I buy my own helicopter or something? You know, will that give me that extra edge that I need to survive the zombie attack? So Paranoid Paul, he has this dilemma. He has this extra million dollars and he just doesn't know how he can just fortify his life. You know, what's that next step he can he can take? And so he asked me, what could he do to better prepare for the future? I told him to relax. I told him to not worry about it. I told him that he has more money than he'll ever need and even that he'll even spend with with his lifestyle. Because really, overall, he has a fairly conservative lifestyle. I told him that I couldn't think of anything that he could buy or invest in or put his money in that was going to make him happier or feel more prepared or be content. I told him to take a vacation, to just take a break to quit worrying about things, to sit down and enjoy life. I told him to take his wife out on a date, to hold her hand, to look in her eyes and tell her he loved her, to tell her how happy he was that she married him and that they've spent these decades together. I told him to go out and spend some time with his kids. He has adult children. I told him, go sit down with them. Go sit down with them individually. Give them a hug. Tell them you love them. Tell them what a privilege it has been being their father. I told him to go out and take his grandson up to the mountains. Go teach him how to fly fish. Just spend some time with his grandchild in the mountains away from the cell phone and the internet and, and don't worry about anything else. I told him after he did all that stuff to go on a long walk with his dog and get down the grass and roll around and throw a ball and play fetch with his dog. 
I told him that I thought that that would be the best thing that he could do to prepare for his future because he's already done everything else. He's already taken care of to mitigate any disaster that he can think of. There's nothing left that's within his sphere of control that he can do anything about. He just needs to have a little bit of faith and enjoy life and be thankful for what he has. Now, I'm taking the time to say this during this episode because this is part of the thing that has been bothering me lately. Now, I know most of you don't have $15 million and you're not that prepared and you're not that paranoid. But at the same time, I know that an awful lot of you are worried about things that you can't do anything about or that you have no control over. And I think you need to hear this message. You need to hear the story about Paranoid Paul. And look at your own lifestyle. Look at the way you're doing things and see if there's room for improvement in your life. Now, if you have not made any preparations, you need to get on the ball and take care of that stuff. You know, make sure you have an emergency fund. Make sure you have adequate term life insurance. Make sure you have good tires on your car. You know, all those things. Get that stuff taken care of. But for those of you that are better off, don't be a paranoid, Paul. Take care of the things that you can control. And those things you can't control, don't worry about them. If you'd really like to be happy, if you want to not only be happy, but be healthy, if you want to ensure that you and your family have a bright future, then once you've taken care of the necessary things and, and once your house is in order and you're living those wealth-setting principles, you know, you've cut down on your consumption, you're saving your income, you're doing all those things, you know, once you've done all you can do, it's okay to sit back and relax. You don't have to be paranoid. I always tell you that this podcast is here to help you to think, to help you to think for yourself. I'm not here to give you specific guidance or recommendations. But today, in this podcast, I'm going to break my rules a little bit, and I don't think the SEC is going to come and take away my license, because I am going to give you some specific guidance and recommendation. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You need to spend some quiet time with your spouse or your partner. Sit down, hold their hand, look into their eyes, tell them you love them. Tell them how happy you are to be married to them or have the relationship that you do with them. If you have kids, go out and spend some time with your kids. Hug them. Tell them how thrilled you are, what a privilege it's been to be their parent, to raise them, to see them growing up. If your parents are still alive, go see them. Hug them too. Tell them you love them. Thank them for raising you, doing such a good job with you. Apologize to them for what a brat you probably were when you were younger, all the worrying and pain you caused them. If you have grandchildren, go play with them. It's okay to spoil them a little bit. Mostly spoil them with your time. Teach them to do something. Teach them to fly fish or make a quilt or whatever it is you like to do. Something that you think they would enjoy. That's what they're going to remember when you're long gone. If you haven't seen some old friends in a while or if you know someone that's sick, go spend some time with them. Visit them in the hospital. Stop by and see some old people. When you've done all that, go out and take a walk with your dog or your cat. You know, spend some time with whatever your favorite pet is. And I'll tell you this. If you don't own a dog or a cat, you know, maybe you should think about going out and buying one because that might be one of the best investments you ever make in your life. I spent a lot of time in this podcast talking about freedom and liberty and, and we talk about happiness. But you know, today, I want to just end this podcast talking about being content, being satisfied, being thankful for who you are and what you have. That's the message and that's the advice I want to get across to you today. Our time on this earth needs to be spent doing the things that we love with the people we love and then being thankful for it. So tonight, when you close your eyes, just before you go to sleep, I want you to think to your creator and talk to him and, and whoever your creator is. Your creator may be God, it may be Allah, it may be, you know, Gia, Mother Earth, whatever it is that you believe that is a higher power than you. Tonight, when you close your eyes, before you fall asleep, thank them. Thank them for what you have. Thank them for the years that you've been on this earth, 
for all the great blessings that you have, the incredible lifestyle that you live. Now, I think if you take this advice, you're going to find that you're a richer, wealthier, happier person. I want to end today's podcast with a shout out to my friend, Mike. I mentioned him at the beginning of this episode. You know, Mike is one of those kind of guys that whenever you're done with your conversation with him, he always tells you, God bless you. He'll say, John, God bless you. And what I like about Mike is he means that. You know, Mike's the kind of guy that he didn't need to listen to this episode today because he does all those things that I was just telling you to do. And I know that this weekend he's traveling to go spend some time with some family members. And I just wanted to wish Mike well. Safe travels to you, Mike. Enjoy the time you're spending with your family. And God bless you, Mike. Well, that's our podcast for today. A little bit of a different episode. Let me know what you think. You can get in touch with me at our website, which is wealthsteading.com. Until the next episode when we come back and we talk about oil and the effect it has on the economy and what it can mean to you in terms of your investment portfolio. Well, until then, this is John Pagliano wishing you the very best of returns.